Welcome to Day 148 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. Uh, we're in the book of 1 Samuel, and the drama certainly does intensify us. Uh, we come to uh, 1 Samuel 15. Uh, God rejects Saul, and of course you have the uh, descendancy of Saul and the ascendancy of David. And of course we learn a lot about God's heart and the kind of people that God calls to lead his people. We've seen hints of that in Deuteronomy as he describes a king who is humble, a king who doesn't want to acquire land for himself, doesn't want to acquire chariots for himself, but is one of the people. And uh, we find in uh, David that kind of king, a king after God's own heart, not without flaws, not without uh, you know, huge mistakes in his life, but one whose trajectory was toward God. But in chapter 15, we see just the opposite. We see someone who started out humble and has become increasingly arrogant, increasingly uh, molding his kingship around human popularity rather than listening to the Word of God. So we come to 1 Samuel uh, 15 as we continue in our study for this nice book. Uh, before, we, uh, before we read, we always pause, knowing that God has given us a gift through His Word and through His Spirit. Uh, which enlivens and enables us to hear his word, know his word, and to be transformed by his word. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that you have gifted us by your spirit, your word. And, Father, you have not only uh, given us your word, but you have given us your spirit so that we might, through your word, be shaped and molded by you. Thank you for the wonderful gift that we have in Christ Jesus in the gospel. Uh, through the word. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up out of Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telayim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you along with them, for you show kindness to all of the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites moved away from the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to shore, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all the people he totally destroyed with his sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I've made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, Lord bless you. I've carried out all the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites, and they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul said. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? 
the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people. Amalekites wage war against them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you not pounce? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on a mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. Soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice unto the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Samuel said to the Lord, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Samuel turned to leave. Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Saul said, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. We have the beginning of the end and a sad beginning to the end. And of course, we have the, you know, the whole concept of, of partial obedience. I've mostly obeyed, and of course, God is not looking for you know, those who, who have halfway measures, but those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. There's a lot of, in this passage that is hard for us to read, uh, but in the very heart of the passage is overwhelmingly sad for us as we see one whom God has chosen turn away from God, and God also withdrawing the kingship from him. So as we read through First Samuel 15, what are some of the things that uh, stand out? By the way, I'm Paul Kemp here with Katie Kresge <laughs> and David Keep and Matt Kresge as we continue our journey of being shaped by the Word. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, like you just said, there's a lot in here to talk about. Um, I think one thing that's important to remember is that there's history with um, the Amalekites, right? And that's why God is sending Saul to do this, that um, the Amalekites... Um, just completely came against um, Israel when they're coming out of Egypt and I think it's it would be even helpful to like go back to that section um, and in Exodus and read about that um, so that you can kind of understand the context because God did promise that he would take care of them in the future and this is him fulfilling that promise to his people so you you kind of wonder like why is God being so harsh with them and then you remember that and you're like oh okay I get it (laughs) like this makes a lot more sense now and and you know also you have to remember there's a cultural piece here Uh, anyone who any child who survived would be bound by honor to vindicate you know what Israel had done to them and so there is a, a law of retribution that you know pretty much ruled you know ruled that area and, and of course there's there's something that uh, you know theologically we have to you know deal with as well uh, you know that this is a, the this is a picture of God's judgment it is complete mm-hmm. and it is final and it is beyond uh, you know beyond our sensibilities uh, what uh, you know our sins have earned us and what a culture that looks like that rejects you know, rejects God so it is a picture of judgment and it's a 
Uh, it's a very careful, you know, careful situation in which you know God has has, has made instructions, and of course there's cultural issues that are involved here as well. But uh, we do have to fully look at it in a mature way and realize that uh, this is the destiny of those who have rejected and those who oppose mm-hmm. uh, the Lord. Mm-hmm. Even speaking to what you mentioned, you know, at the start, Paul, where we do see the kind of semi-obedience, you know, of Saul and. You know, the Lord's obviously given him a command. He he semi kind of does it. They bring back the sheep and the cattle and even the king. And, and then you see Samuel keep, you know, pressing him and, and pressing him. And then finally, you know, Saul does admit, you know, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command. And you gave your instruction. I was afraid of the men and I gave mm-hmm. in to them. And, and so you do see that tension that I think a lot of us feel all the time. Obviously, we, we know some of the Lord's commands and we choose to kind of partially obey them. But then even... It seems here with Saul, there is a more of a, a fear of man and his men than of the Lord and his word. And so I think we can also see that in ourselves as well, that we're, you know, maybe our lack of obedience is due to a fear of, of what will people say or what will people do rather than a fear of, of the Lord and walking in obedience to him. Yeah, and, and, of course, the motivation, you know, of the men and what they've done is not, oh, gosh, this is, this is too much. We can't, you know, take the lives of women and children all that is no they they saw the fat of the land and they desired it for themselves and of course uh, that is part of what they motivated them and and obviously they offered a spiritual excuse well well, this is really for the lord sacrifice we're taking the really good stuff so we can give the best of the good stuff to the lord but again uh you know you you have uh, the whole idea that uh, the lord is not really looking uh, for a portion of the best of the gifts that we could give him, he's looking for obedience and he's looking for faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And of course, it could not have been said more, you know, beautifully or you know, graphically than you know than, than Samuel says. The Lord, does the Lord really delight in these kind of gifts? You know, burnt offerings as much as in obeying him. To obey is better than sacrifice. To eat is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is, is like the sin of divination. In other words, we like to characterize sins. These are really bad sins, and these are okay kind of sins. Mm-hmm. You know, if I just kind of fudge a little bit, that's not, no, that's rebellion. And it's every bit as bad as if you were practicing witchcraft or sorcery or any of these other things that are, you know, dishonoring, you know, to the Lord and arrogance like idolatry. Mm-hmm. And, of course, arrogance is an idolatry. It's a worship of self over the worship of God. You've rejected the word of the Lord, and he has rejected you mm-hmm. as yeah. king. It's just a powerful episode to remind us. It reminds us that you know, we, we don't get to choose how we want to worship God, or you know, we just kind of, even in this moment, they think you know, the word of the Lord comes to them and says you must completely destroy them. They think, you know what, this will please God. You know, at least we'll be giving him something or offering him something, and or maybe it is just self-justification later that we had good intentions, you know. Yeah. And, and yet you get Samuel's charge to Saul. He says, you know, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, you know. And, and sure, he partially, you know, did what the Lord told him to do. He says, I've kept the word. He even, he even says, we did all the Lord said, you know, commanded us to do. And, and yet Samuel's charge to him is, no, in your disobedience, you rejected the word of the Lord. You know, so just the, that seeing that, even the, those two connections um, together that, you know, the, the to obey is, is to walk with the Lord, but, mm-hmm. you know, to disobey is to reject the word of the Lord. 
No, and, and, and of course you have two things at work here. You have partial obedience and selective obedience. Uh, we obey when it's convenient to yeah. us, and we, we choose the rules that we like. And uh, there's some other ones, you know, some others that are we're just kind of you know outliers out there. Lord Robert probably didn't intend these. These are not as important as these. And, and what really is important is wholehearted devotion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the Lord. We can stack rank, you know, commands and say these are light and these are weighty. Yeah. But what is really, you know, important is, is is the devotion to the Lord. And of course, you see the, you see the slide in Saul. Uh, you know, uh, there, there's a couple of dead tells there. One, he has built a monument to himself. Mm-hmm. You know, as as a part of it, so he has become like uh, uh, Israel's cries. We want a king like the rest of the nations, and that's exactly what you've got. One mm-hmm. who lives for his honor. One for who lives for his own glory, but then you also see this underlying, you know, uh, fact that I was afraid of the man, mm-hmm. and so he's more concerned with what people think of him and how he is perceived by people than he is by how God thinks of him and how God perceives him. And even you know, it sounds like I'm, I'm repenting. I want to worship the yeah. Lord, and Sam says no, and he said, well, just let me worship the Lord for the sake of looking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, a lot of us, a lot of us do that. Yeah. A lot yeah. of us. So yeah. just that, please honor me before the elders. Before the, I just want to look. I just need to look just, good yeah. before mm-hmm. the nation or for the people. So, let's have a pretense of worshiping the Lord. When real worship of the Lord is not how, you know, high you have your hands raised in worship or how loud you you sing on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. That's how faithful you are to the heart and the character of who God is and what He has called you to be and do. Yeah. We also have kind of sandwiched right in you know, the middle of this chapter. Um, we, we dealt with it in Genesis, but th- that comment, you know, and the Lord regretted that he you know, had made, um, he regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And, and you're having to kind of ask the question, what do we do when the Lord, it says the Lord regretted of something? You know, it's almost like he's changing his mind or we tend to read it from a, a perspective of, of our regret. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's helpful even in a passage like this, like verse 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. No, it's it's embedded. You know, the sovereignty of God is embedded right there in yeah. in the passage. We, you know, we often, you know, we often do things in our life, and, and we look back and say, "Boy, that was really dumb." And and that's not what God is doing. God is in His sovereignty, uh, you know, given us over, you know, to our inclinations and our choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even when those inclinations and choices do not honor him, it's not that you know they've caught him by surprise, and it's not that it's part of his overall plan for salvation. But it deeply grieves him. Mm-hmm. So for us, you know, regret has two parts. One that was, you know, I'll, I'll never, you know, I wish I hadn't done that, and I'm very sad that I've done it. For for God, it just has that one thing. It grieves me that this is what it's come to, even mm-hmm. though this is still part of his, you know, part of his sovereign plan. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing this passage did, especially as we're looking at Saul and his semi-obedience or his selective obedience, obviously I saw that in my own life, but it also just reminded me of there was one that did come and is coming in the story who didn't do selective obedience but fully obeyed mm-hmm. the Father. And in light of me, I I can look at my life and get guilty or get shameful for, for the ways I, I've selectively obeyed the Lord. But I can also look to Jesus and be reminded that he was the one that fully obeyed on my behalf and that his obedience crazily is now put on me, you know, by grace. And so, 
There's still Jesus even in this passage. There's one who did not, yeah. uh, who didn't create a monument to himself, did not consider equality with God something he had to hang on. Mm-hmm. But he poured himself out, taking on the form of a servant, and his obedience led him to death, even a cross kind of death. Uh, so he's one who served and one who, who died on our behalf. And and yes, absurdly, uh, David used the word crazily. I'm not even sure that's a word, but anyway, which word? Yeah, absurdly, uh, <laughs> absurdly, God has given the gift of His righteousness to us uh, through faith in Him, and uh, so we are we are counted righteous because of His obedience and because of His faithfulness, and, mm-hmm. and, and not our own. Katie, you mind closing us mm-hmm. with a word of prayer? Father, we are humbled by that truth um, that you have given so much of yourself um, for us on our behalf and um, that though we are so disobedient to you, um, that Jesus, your obedience made a way for um, those who are far off to be brought near. Um, so would would you empower us, Holy Spirit, to, to walk in obedience? Um, to look to you um, for grace and um, look to you for our daily bread. Um, Thank you for stories like this that remind us of where we fall short, um, but that remind us of where Christ has um, stepped in our place. Um, You are good. Would you continue to transform our hearts? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.